need some loving care And nothing, well nothing is going right Close your eyes and think of me And soon I will be there I'm C.J. Layton coming to you from inside the Phantom Radio Studio, home of the premier radio bowling talk show. Long ago, Bowler's Journal International called Phantom Radio a pioneer in the field of bowling podcasts because the show is regularly scheduled at the same time each week. PBA Hall of Famer Len Nicholson started the show in 2002. Since then, he's recorded over 1,100 shows featuring over 400 different guests, a literal who's who in bowling. So, Phantom fans, let's welcome our host, Len Nicholson, the Phantom. Well, thank you, CJ. And a reminder that Phantom Radio is presented by the Cagle Company. For all of your lane maintenance needs, including 24-hour technical support, you can always rely on the Kegel Company. So, go to kegel.net. Well, Phantom fans, I met the late John Davis in the fall of 1988 when we had a tour stop in Florida. And John had founded the Kegel Company in 1980 and had been working on the lane conditioning problems by inventing several lane oiling machines to do the job. And he had grown up in the bowling business and had worked on lane conditions most of his life. He was the most passionate bowling man that I ever met. And I retired from the PBA in 1995 and went on to work for John. We spent countless hours, days, weeks, and months seeking answers to the controversial subject of lane conditioning. And we knew it wasn't just the oil. It was the entire system of oil, application, cleaning, lane surfaces, balls, topography, resurfacing, installation, patching, humidity, <laughs> pindex, and a host of other known and unknown hidden variables. Well, he told me that I should write a book, even though I'm not a writer. Well, I did. And I told a lot of tour stories in a 100-page book called The Tour Would Be Great If You Didn't Have to Bowl. Well, what follows is one of the stories from that book. I thought it was pretty funny. The chapter is called Deja Vu. Enjoy. Well, in some ways, sports can be very cruel. And by that, I mean that sports are unlike hardly any other profession. Actors, politicians, lawyers, doctors, scientists, policemen, firemen, and most all others can perform in their career for nearly a lifetime. And most athletes can't. The main reason is that father time plays a major role in an athlete's life. When that time comes, there isn't much that an athlete can do about it, and that can be very, very sad. I can vividly remember when Ted Williams, Willie Mays, Joe DiMaggio, and Mickey Mantle were forced to retire. I can still picture in my mind the great Joe Montana, John Elway, and Steve Young having to hang them up when their time came to say goodbye. I have witnessed some of the greatest athletes of all time lose a step and had to step aside. In some ways, it's not only sad, 
but it's also very depressing. It's especially sad and depressing when it happens to one or more of your own personal heroes. And if you are allowed to, it can become personal if you are the lame man and a bowler or bowlers try to infer that you are the main reason is they have to retire and go home. In the late 70s, we were at Riviera Lanes in Akron, Ohio for the greatest tournament in the world at that time, the Firestone Tournament of Champions. This event was always a complete sellout well in advance. I remember even during the early morning rounds of qualifying, the file marshals being at the main entrance and counting the fans as they entered. And once the place was full, Nobody else was allowed inside, even if you were a PBA staff member. It was the mecca of bowling, and that tradition is sorely missed. While I was watching the top 24 from my spot, in the corner of the top row of bleachers behind the TV pair, I would watch every ball of every game from that coveted perch. And being up there was as close to heaven as you could possibly get if you were a bowling nut like me. And this particular night, I felt a tug on my backside, and I looked down behind me. Billy Hardwick, a non-finalist this particular year, was pulling on my belt. I looked back, and I said, what? He said, come down here. I want to talk to you. I said, I can't get down. This place is too packed, and I want to watch the last two games. He said, I'm serious. Get down here and come into the bar. He had a look of urgency on his face, so I got down. Then he said to me, what do you want to drink? I said, I'll have a Bacardi and Coke. He said, go into the bar and sit with the two guys in the corner over by the jukebox, and I'll bring it right into you. Well, I went into the bar and looked over at the jukebox. Sitting in that corner were superstars Jim Stefanich and Dick Ritker. I was fully aware that they hadn't made the finals either. They saw me and both avoided eye contact as they both looked down. I immediately felt the tension that occur occurs when bowlers and lanemen occasionally confront each other. Before I had a chance to sit down, Billy walked in. He handed me my drink and he said, okay, what the hell is going on? I said, what are you talking about? He said, what do you think of Ritker as a bowler? I said, he is great. Then he said, what do you think of Stefanich as a bowler? I said, he is great too, why? And without answering my question, he said, do you think the three of us are all accurate? And without waiting for my reply, he blurted, there are guys out there in the finals that can't keep the ball within three boards of their target. I said, what are you talking about? Come out here, he said, walking towards the door of the lounge that led out of the lanes. I followed. Well, we got to the concourse and we stood behind the packed bleachers. Billy pointed to lanes five and six, the pair that Joe Berardi was bowling on. And he said, look at that. Do you call that bowling? I said, what do you mean? He said, he's all over the place. Do you think he is accurate? Well, before I could give him an answer, he said, now come over here. Went over to a spot behind lanes 15 and 16 and he pointed to Marshall Holman. Is he accurate too? Well, once again, before I had a chance to say anything, he walked me down the concourse, stopping behind another pair, and he said, and what do you think about the guy at 29 and 30? 
I said, Billy, you're talking about Mark Roth? He said, those guys aren't better than me, Ritger, and Stephanie. They just throw the ball to the right. He was getting upset, and I didn't want to see him on the concourse. So I said, let's go talk about this in the bar. Well, when we got in there, I said, Billy, the new plastic balls and the newer lane finishes on the lanes create more friction. The balls hook more nowadays. It isn't something that we, the lane men, are doing. The environment is changing. To the best of my memory, the following was the rest of that conversation. Hardwick said, don't hand me that. You guys know what to do. You're letting these power players have the whole lane. I said, no, we're not letting anybody have anything. These guys are good. It's a new breed. These guys learned how to bowl with this stuff. You guys learned how to bowl with rubber balls and lacquer lane finish. It's totally different now. We didn't invent all this new stuff. Hardwick then said, explain this to me. Godman has the biggest hand on the tour, right? Well, he crosses about four boards. Well, these guys are covering at least five boards, and Godman himself came to keep up with these guys. How do you explain that? I said, Billy, the game has changed. You guys learned how to throw the ball at the pocket. These guys have learned to throw the ball away from the pocket. It doesn't mean that these guys are any good. Believe me, it isn't anything that we, the lane guys, are doing. These new balls, the soft plastic ones, and the new harder urethane lane finishes create more friction, which allows far more hook. And Hardwick said, well, you guys are sending us home. You're giving these guys more area, and the scores are getting higher and higher every year. You guys are making a joke out of this game. Look at what you're doing with the averages. And I said, Billy, we are not sending anybody home. Do you really think that I want that to happen? You guys are great too. And we're not trying to make the scores go higher. In fact, the oil patterns are actually designed to bring the scores down. The blend is much less than it used to be. There's a lot less in the middle than there used to be. And you are right, the scores are getting higher. There are a couple of reasons for that. The equipment, the balls, and the lane finishes are better. Also, we're going to the same places every year, and these tour houses, with what we have taught them, are taking better care of their lane services. They all want their scores to be higher, especially when the tour is in town. Well, the conversation, the discussion, went on for quite some time, and the bowers had finished, and some were coming into the lounge. Brody was the first finalist to come into the bar, and he came right over to our table. And not being one of the leaders, he too was upset. I didn't want to be there, trust me. For a lane man, it was a no-win situation. I had learned in the past, never be around at the end of a squad because you always had to answer a million questions. But this time I got trapped. And not knowing what we had been talking about, Joey started right in about how this week the straight players had an advantage because all the power players couldn't go around with the ball. He said, if I throw a right, it's a two pin or a week 10. If I go up with it, it's through the beak. What happened? I thought to myself, oh my God, here we go again. Well, these types of conversations had been regularly taking place ever since Don McCune had invented the soaker in 19, since 1973. They were not fun. And looking back on it, it was definitely the continuation of a huge social problem that started with the advent of the tour.
the PBA founder, Eddie Elias, had a great idea of starting a singles bowling tour. However, lane conditions were not a huge consideration when the idea was finally followed through. How can you possibly bring all these different styles together and have them all bowl on one type of lane condition? It always reminded me of what it would be like to have a hockey game right in the middle of a figure skating competition. As uncomfortable as this particular situation was, I understood it. Here were two of my best friends, and they were frustrated. Billy threw one of the straightest balls of all time, and Joey was one of the most powerful players who ever bowled. They were complaining about each other's types of styles. Think about it. As a lane man, what do you do? You can't tell Billy that he isn't good anymore, that he should go home. And you can't tell Joey that he isn't accurate, that he is just an area player. I remember hoping that the bar would catch on fire and we would all have to leave. Well, soon thereafter, Billy did quit the tour. The tour had definitely changed, and it changed a lot in the past couple of years. There wasn't the same camaraderie out there anymore. And a job opportunity had opened up for me in Tucson, and at the end of the 77 season, I left the tour. I went to work at Golden Pin Lanes, and I stayed in touch with all my buddies out there and was able to see them all when they came down to the summer tour event at Golden Pin. I realized that I missed the tour. Sometimes it was like an old girlfriend. You only remember the good times. At that time, I really didn't know that I would be going back out there again in 1983. Well, time went by and I was asked to come back and be the lane man on the tour. They were having problems with the lane conditions and they asked me to come back. And along with that, they gave me a big raise to come on back, something that I never did get when I was out there in the first place. Well, I left the ball and I went back on the tour. What I didn't realize what I was getting back into. The changes in the game now were immense. I re re reunited I reunited as roommates with Berardi. We had previously had a lot of fun together. And there was no reason that it would be any different this time. It had been about seven years since I'd been out there, and many of the names had changed. A lot of my old buddies were no longer touring. I missed them. A lot of the bowling centers that we used to go to and I had made friends with were no longer hosting the tour. I m missed them too. And this time, the tour was different. A lot different. Almost immediately, the tournament committee called me in and explained that things in the past couple of years had gotten out of hand. They asked if we could get things back to normal the way it used to be when I was out there before. And I thought to myself, well, that shouldn't be any problem. We would just do the lanes like we used to do. So I remember doing the lanes for a pre-tournament check the old way two days before that very first tournament. Well, some of the players were there to throw some shots for me so we could take a look at the new ball reaction that they were now talking about with me coming back. Wow. Oh, my God. Things had really changed. <laughs> the hook was unreal. Not only was there a whole new generation of equipment, but there's also a whole new generation of bowlers. The new balls really hooked. And compared to the old plastic balls they were used in the 70s, when the PBA lane maintenance program started in 71, we used approximately an eighth of an ounce of oil per lane. When the soft plastic balls began to be used in the mid-70s, we increased that amount to approximately one-fourth of an ounce per lane. Now in the mid-80s, we were forced to use approximately a half an ounce per lane, and this oil now 
was full of additives to make the oil stronger. Also, the program was started in an attempt to achieve equity between the lefties and the righties. Well, now it seems there was more infighting between the righties as they had broken into four separate divisions, straight players, strokers, power players, and crankers. The tour was completely different this time around. Some of the all-time greats were no longer out there. The balls were different. The styles were different. The lean oils were different. There was more money now, and the camaraderie wasn't what it used to be. Another change was that many houses had gone to harder lane finishes, and some had new synthetic lanes. And there wasn't as much fun as it used to be. The tour had definitely changed. Well, in the mid-80s, I can vividly remember being at my favorite tournament, the Firestone Tournament of Champions. And they had a big sign on the front door that was there 365 days a year. It read, through these doors past the greatest bowlers in the world. I still get chills when I think of it now. Well, I was up in my favorite spot on the top row of the bleachers behind the TV pair watching the top 24. It was Friday night and the place was packed. The top five would be a national TV the next day. This was very, very exciting, as it always was. Well, I felt a tug on the back of my shirt. I looked down and I saw my roommate, Joe Berardi. He looked upset. I asked him if he was okay. He said, I want to talk to you. I said, right now? I'm watching the finals. He said, yeah, right now. Well, I got down and followed him as he headed for the bar. He said, what are you drinking? I said, Bacardi and Coke. At that point, I felt like I had been there before. Deja vu. We entered the bar and I immediately looked over in the corner where the jukebox was. Mark Roth and Marshall Holman were sitting there. Neither of them had made the finals either. Joey walked in, handed me my drink, and he said, Now, tell me, what the hell is going on? I started laughing. I said, I know. Mark Baker, Bob Hanley, Steve Cook, Tom Milton aren't as accurate as you guys. They are all over the place. They can't carry your bags. Times have changed, fellas. I'm sorry, but I didn't invent today's game, and I didn't want to get into it with you, but you guys are great. But the game isn't what it used to be. They sat there stunned. They never said a word. I didn't. All I could think of was Yogi Berra, as this scene was definitely the real deja vu all over again. Well, that's just one of the stories in the book, and I hope that you enjoyed it. I know you generally like all the stories from the tour, but Phantom Fans, the old clock in the wall tells me we're out of time, and I can't believe how quickly the time flies in this show, and that's probably why they say it's the fastest show in all sports, but we look forward to talking to all of you again. Next week, we'll have another guest to talk to you. In closing, we'd like to sincerely thank our sponsors, Storm Bowling Products, and Brad Edelman from the High Roller for their valued and continued support of our show. We appreciate all that they do to keep us coming back to you each and every week. And our newest sponsor is Dave Kowalski. He's with Auto Value and Bumper to Bumper Auto Parts Stores. He's also the former president of the Michigan High School Bowling Coaches Association. So for Phantom Radio, this is the Phantom. When you're down and trouble and you need some loving care and nothing well nothing is going right 
Close your eyes and think of me. 